But I grew up with an older brother and a little sister. Um, I always felt different. I always felt less than. I always felt like I didn't belong. I always felt like my family loved them more than me and always got left out. I mean, I remember I would have to put on football pads and my brother could practice his tackling practice outside and I'd just get annihilated. Um, <clears throat> so I would, I would do anything I could for attention. Um, and it's actually funny. I have three little children and my daughter's the middle one and I think she's She's the same way. She's wild and does anything for attention. But that was what I did. Like, whether it was good or bad, like, I just wanted my family's attention. Um, and I could easily get that if I was breaking the law or doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Um, we grew up in a private Christian school. My parents did a very well job of raising us and giving us good morals and values of how we should conduct ourselves growing up. And um, the funny thing is, I heard a speaker say one time, but it's like the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was really taught through my whole life. Like, believe in this. If you're wrong, make it right. Like, don't look at what other people are doing, but look at yourself and try to try to help other people. Like, I was, the, the main core of what Alcoholics Anonymous is in the 12 steps is like, I was taught that as a kid. <clears throat> so my parents did a great job of raising us. They did a phenomenal job instilling great morals and values. And um, unfortunately, I just couldn't, once I started drinking, I couldn't really match those and meet those as hard as I tried. And I became very selfish and self-centered. I remember the first time that I drank. This is a kind of just a story of my life, but I got arrested. I was 13 years old. Um, my parents were out of town with my sister at a softball tournament. Um, the cops arrested me. They asked me who I was. I lied about my age, lied about my name. I said I was my older brother. Um, <clears throat> but again, I was selfish, self-centered. Like, I didn't care who it hurt. I just didn't want it to hurt me. And so like some, uh, some elder, elders, I guess you'd call them deacons in the church, this whole deacon like family had to come and pick me up and they were expecting to pick my brother up and they picked me up. Um, but so shortly after that, my, my parents put me into a treatment center. Um, it was not 12-step based, but they sent me off to a treatment center. I kind of went to, to get them off my back. And again, I had no intention of, of stopping drinking. Um, and again, it wasn't like I was drinking daily. They just kind of saw me going down a road that they didn't like, so they, they thought treatment was the best option for me. So I went to this treatment center, of course. Someone that doesn't want to get sober typically doesn't get sober. And I left there and was doing the same stuff before I went there as soon as I got back. And again, self-centered, self-seeking, like I can't, all I can focus on is myself. I can't see the money that my family put into this treatment center. I can't see the, the pain and the, the harm I'm causing my family. All I, all I can see is myself. I'm just completely consumed with myself. And it's not because I'm a bad person. It's just that's what alcohol does to me. Um, at the age of 17, um, I'd, I'd been put on probation, and at the age of 17, I went to court, and I ended up getting arrested out in the parking lot because I was speeding, and I met my mom inside the courtroom in handcuffs because I was under the influence at the age of 17 going to court. <clears throat> so I thought I was going to juvie, so they took me out this door, and I ended up taking a right instead of a left, and they took me to a, a treatment center they had in the facility that I was not aware of. Um, and there they 
they weren't necessarily 12-step based, um, but it was, it was a, I mean, it was court ordered. I had to be there. There was nothing I could do about it. But I do remember that AA groups would come and bring meetings in there. And I, I've been thinking about it, like trying to, trying to re recollect all the times people came and carried the message to me. And I think that that was the first time. And these groups would come in and they would share their experience, strength, and hope. Again, I, I, I wasn't listening. I, I couldn't tell you what they said. I had no intention of getting sober at that time. Um, I just really wanted to live my life. I'm 17 years old. There's no way I need to be an AA for the rest of my life. Like, this is just not possible. Um, but I do remember this group came in every single week, same day, same time. They always showed up, showed up early. And they always do what most of us do, that when everything's done, they clean up and the place is better than how they found it. Um, so, I, so I do appreciate them coming in and taking that time to carry the message because someone in there might have gotten sober and still be sober today. It just wasn't me. <laughs> um, and I remember when I got out of that treatment center, um, I was so excited because my dad was having surgery the next day. And what I was excited about was I got to take him and be the savior son, fresh out of treatment. But really I was excited because I could steal his pain meds and drink and really, really feel the effects of alcohol. That was what I was excited about. Again, completely self-centered and focus on myself and not, not really, I couldn't focus on the harm I was causing other people. Um, so that was 17. I turned 18 a month after I got released from that treatment center. Um, right after I turned 18, I got a DUI. And in Oklahoma, when you get a DUI, they give you a piece of paper that you're licensed for 30 days for you to get your affairs in order. And then after that, you no longer have a license. Well, 18 days later, I ran a lady off the road in her van with her kids, and I got another DUI. And again, I can't see the consequences. I can't see the harm that alcohol is causing. All I can see, all I, can, all I care about is drinking and not feeling the way that I feel. Because um, once, once, I, once I start drinking, I, I don't know when I'm going to stop. I have no idea whether it's going to be after that six-pack or two days later. I have no idea. Um, but I always wanted to try to figure out, but I could never safely assume when it's going to happen because I always miss, miss the mark. So uh, at the age of 18, I just, well, no, at the age of 19, I went to prison for the first time. And there, again, AA would come in there. An AA group would come into that prison every single week, same time, share the message. And I would go, and um, someone spoke about it last night that I heard, but it's like I would go just thinking that if I go, like, oh, it's going to fix everything. I wouldn't take any action. I would just go. And then, of course, I'd call my mom from prison, like, yeah, I went to my AA meeting tonight. And it's like, yeah, what are you doing? Um, so I would go to these meetings, but I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't do anything that they suggested. I wouldn't read the book. I wouldn't do any sort of work. I wouldn't go into my bunk and pray like I'd given up on God. You know, God, like, if you're going to give me two DUIs in 18 days, like, yeah, you're not here to help me. Um, so I got out of, so again, these people would come in carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and share that, that message of hope and I would just go there and sit thinking that's going to make me better and it, and it never did. Um, so I got out of prison, continued down the same road. And again, it, 
I knew I, at some point in time, right in there, I knew I had a problem. I just didn't know what it was, and I didn't know how to fix it. And that, that'll drive you insane. Because it's like, I, I don't know what the problem is, but it's definitely not alcohol. It's got to be, I got to get the right girl, or I got to get the right job. You know, I've just had a rough, patchy start to my life. Like, everything's got to line up. But then... But then I'd drink, and then my mind would change to, well, I, 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 you know, I'm still kind of young. Maybe when I'm 25, I'll settle down. Like, this is just my fun ages. Like, let me just live life a little bit. So I continued drinking, and uh, by the age of 20, 22, I was going to prison again for the second time. And what had happened was is my parents have a long hallway in their house, and my mom was looking at me with tears coming down her face begging me not to go out that night and I couldn't I could not go out I mean I had to go out I had to go out and do what I had to do I had to drink like I couldn't just not I couldn't just sit at home and drink if I could just not drink I wouldn't come to AA so I left that night ended up getting drunk and robbing a store and uh, ended up going, going to prison for that but I say that because like it's not like I like to hurt my mother Paige <laughs> That's all right, Paige. Um, but it's but it's not that I, I like to hurt my mom. It, it's not that I'm a bad son. It's just I can't stop. I couldn't stop drinking. Um, and and they didn't understand that. Lots of people didn't understand that. You just don't have the willpower. Of, you know, like you, you're just not doing things right. And it's like, no, I, I'm. I, I just can't stop. Everything I've tried does not work. And um, so I ended up going to prison for a second time. And there again, AA members come in, show up at the same time every week, do the same things, talk about the same thing. They always come in carrying this big book, read something out of the first 164 pages, and it's always the same stuff, yet I can't get sober because I refuse to do the same thing they're talking about. I just want to come in, take my seat, listen, go back, and hope my life gets better. So I get out of prison the second time. Then I start trying to get involved in church, like try to get heavily involved in church. Maybe that's my problem. And, and, you know, I had every great intention, but my actions never met those intentions. I would go in and try to do the right thing, but then I, I would always end up drinking again. And the church is a great place. Lots of people can do it. But, I mean, me as a real alcoholic, like just going, just doing that was not, could not help me. And I went and saw a therapist. And I remember the first thing I would ask any therapist is, do you have a problem with drugs or alcohol? And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, yeah, well, I just automatically close my mind. Like, because you do not know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to wake up not wanting to drink and meaning it wholeheartedly, but yet still drinking. And it's, that doesn't mean I didn't mean it. It's just I couldn't stop. And I had no solution to my problem of alcoholism. Um... So I went to a uh, went to treatment again. I ended up going to treatment five times, but uh, the fourth time I went to treatment. I went to treatment, and what I thought about alcoholism was that if I stayed sober long enough, I could drink like a normal person. That was my idea about al- alcoholism. Problem is, all these people that came in and carried a message were not saying that. But that was just what I thought made up on my own was I'm too young to be an alcoholic. Really, I've just drank too much in such a short period of time 
I just need to take a break for a while. And whenever I, once I've reached that mark, I'll be able to drink like a normal person. So I went to this treatment center, left there, um, stayed sober about six months, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I woke up one day at home and I said, today's the day I can drink like a normal person. <laughs> then I thought I could, like I thought I've taken a long enough break, I can drink like a normal person. And I drank that, that morning, and from that morning on, I didn't drink that morning, but I drank that night after work. And from, from the next day on, I was drinking every morning. I was having to take 40s and two 40s into work just to drink at lunchtime, just to carry me over until after work. And then after work, I would just sit in my car all night and drink alcohol. And it's like, I stayed sober for this long. Like, what happened? So then my thought is, well, maybe, so I stayed sober six months. Maybe it needs to be nine months. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the mark that I need to be at in order to, uh, to cure alcoholism. Um, and there's lots of things in my stories, like, you know, my parents kicked me out. I was homeless, living behind hotels, living behind dumpsters, and always finding a way to get alcohol. Like, circumstances, consequences never got me sober. I could have I could have a great paying job or no job and I'm still gonna drink. No matter what. I could have my, my, my parents could be loving and caring or they could be mad at me, I'm still gonna drink. Um, but mostly I drank because I was a middle child. <laughs> so I went to treatment again. This is my my, last, my fifth time going to treatment. It was May eighteenth. So it's the day day before I consider I got sober. I remember going to the, uh, going to the airport and then, uh, I was mad because my family wouldn't give me any more money because I spent it all in the, in the airport's bar. Um, so I, I basically went to this treatment center with no money and again, there my intention was, was not to get sober. And at the, I went to the same treatment center the fourth time and the last time, and both times they had treatment, treat, AA meetings coming in every time. Same groups, most of the time it's the same people carrying the same message, saying the same thing. Get you a sponsor, get you a home group, be of service, and make sure you get that grapevine. <laughs> but, uh, so I went to the same treatment center the last time, and, uh, you know, I was talking about it with somebody this morning, but it was like this treatment center said, because, uh, of course, my excuse was, well, it's where I live. I live in Oklahoma. That's what we do. We drink beer. Like, we go to work, we leave, we drink a couple cold ones, and that's it. Like, that's just what we do. It's a way of life. And uh, the, ther- the, the therapist there that works there said, well, you know, there's so many triggers. Just avoid places that have alcohol. Like map map your route out from your house to your work and take any road you can that does not have a bar. And I thought that was genius. <laughs> and then I went to my room that night and it's like, well what do I do if I need to get gas? Like like there's alcohol everywhere. I just it, it hit me. I mean at first I thought it was genius. Like yeah that's gonna solve my problem. If I just avoid alcohol, I won't drink it. Um, but some other people tell you like triggers are, are not necessarily real what it is is I'm an alcoholic I can be anywhere I'm going to find something to drink I remember I, one of my, my first treatment center some kid drank my dang cologne 
I was like, that is rough. <clears throat> so so the, at this treatment center, um, I met this wonderful young lady that lived in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, we had her whole life planned out. And uh, so I called my parents. And again, this whole time, I'm continuing to be selfish, self-centered, continuing to be dishonest. That's my biggest thing. There's a story in the back of the baby book that's my favorite, but a guy couldn't get sober because he couldn't be honest. I always lied. I lied about anything and everything. But I'm in this treatment center. I call my dad, and I'm like, hey, I don't tell him I met a girl. I just said, hey, I heard recovery's really good in Raleigh. Uh, they need to get me into, like, an Oxford house there. Like, I just, Oklahoma's my problem. My brother's my problem. Like, all that's my problem. So my dad gets me into an Oxford house, and, uh, I fly there. She got out a couple of days or a week before me, and you know we had the whole thing planned out. She can pick me up from the airport, drop me off at the Oxford House, and get a job, get some money, you know, and then we just live happily ever after. <laughs> well, I get to the airport, call her, and she never shows up. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my experience. So if you were in treatment. <laughs> And you meet someone, it might work out different. That's just my experience. <clears throat> but uh, I went to this, I went to, uh, went to this Oxford house, and uh, the guys in there were phenomenal. They were, they were mostly uh, practice a, a different 12-step program. They made, at that time, I had no driver's license, no car. Um, they made sure to get me to meetings, because I had to be at meetings. Um, but I would sit in these meetings, and I wouldn't necessarily be able to identify. I wouldn't be able to make that identification. Um, again, they, they were great guys, and they did what they had to do. To, they, were, they were extremely helpful and would do anything that they could to help me. Um, so they would take me to their meetings. But one night, it just hit me of, why don't I go to an AA meeting? And so I looked it up. I humbled myself. I took a bus. That was my first time ever. I thought I was better than that. Um, but I did. I looked it up. Google showed me what bus to hop on, how to get to this meeting, and I did. And the funny thing is, is like, you know, at this point in time, I've really separated myself from God. Like, I had a strong idea of God growing up. But once I, I started to drink alcohol and go down that road, like, my conception of God and my belief and reliance upon him was very very slim to none because um, he had not done nothing in life to help me. But, I, I, but looking back on it, I really think that this is God because I went to this meeting. I've never been to the meeting since. The guys that helped me that night, I don't think it, it's safe to say that they've probably never, never been back to that meeting as well. They just happened to randomly be there because they had nothing better to do that night. And me, I, I had nothing better to do. So I went to this meeting and... Uh, I shared that I was new and I needed help. And these two gentlemen um, came and spoke to me after the meeting, and they said, why don't you come out and eat with us after, afterwards? Mm. And I said, look, man, my parents are paying for me to live here. Like, I'm trying to keep my expenses low, you know, because now I'm not self-centered. Like, now I'm really trying to think about my family. Really, I just didn't want to hang out with them. <laughs> um, but they said, man, we'll, we'll cover your food. Like, it's not about that. Like, just come and, and go out to eat with us and let's have a good time. And still at this point, like, I had no intention of being sober th today. 
I just wanted to quit drinking for X amount of time until I could drink like a normal person. And all I wanted was to go to work, come home, be able to drink a cold one, and then on the weekends drink and watch college football and live a normal life. That's all I wanted. And uh, these guys carried the real message of Alcoholics Anonymous to me, of Alcoholics Anonymous to me that night. They sat me down. They talked to me in a way that I could relate. They shared their experience. Um, they were both younger gentlemen, but one of them did most of the talking. And, you know, he talked about, you know, what it's like watching your mom cry, and yet you're still going out and drinking because you can't stop. That I can relate to. I can't relate to, like, having to avoid all these stores to not drink. Uh, but one thing he said is, like, you know, you never have to drink again. And uh, there's a solution in Alcoholics Anonymous that will solve all your problems. And to me, I'm like, uh, you mean alcohol, right? And he's like, no, like all your problems. And really, like, that's the, that's the message that I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. Is that come in and do the work. And it really connects me to a God and a simple reliance and belief upon that God. And taking a few other simple suggestions suggestions solves all my problems does not mean I live a beautiful life today does not mean problems do not occur but the message that they gave me was one straight out of, straight out of the first 164 pages of the big book they didn't sugarcoat anything they didn't tell me that you know here's your fourth four step workbook they didn't say you can't start on step 10 until you make all your amends they didn't say you got to wait till you work all 12 steps before you can start helping people they, didn't, they, they, they gave me the real solution of Alcoholics Anonymous and the message of it. And I immediately got right into it. I, uh, got a, I asked one of them to be my sponsor. And uh, he told me I needed to join a home group. He did not tell me I needed to get a grapevine subscription, though. He was not a big supporter. Um, but he said I needed to get a service position at that home group. So when it was service time, service position time, I didn't, I was like, well, if they don't nominate me, I'm not going to nominate myself. Like, I'm not going to run for myself, like, put myself up there. So, you know, they went all around, and I didn't get a service position. So I was like, well, Mason, maybe next year. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And he's like, no, like, you're going to stand there at that door every twice a week and hold the door open for people. And, like, that, that's what I did. And I was being able to be of service. And, like, that was probably one of the most helpful things in early sobriety for me. I got to meet people. I, was, I got to be comfortable. The more and more times you see people, you build relationships with people. Um, but, like, that's, that's part of what Alcoholics Anonymous is, is being a service. And, you know, lots of times when I think about, you know, carrying this, the message or, you know, being a service or helping, like, it's not just going and doing a 12-step call. It's not just meeting with a, a sponsee and, and doing step work. You know, you can help any way possible. It can be frustrating sometimes when you're the only one showing up early and making coffee. But most of the people that show up early and make coffee or stay late and clean up, they're probably still sober. And that, that's what I learned through Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so it's not just, it, it's, it's not just carrying the message to, to sponsees and doing 12-step calls. Um, and I will, I will share this funny story real quick. Um, I'm very grateful to be sober today, and, and my sponsor says it a lot when he shared, but like, you know, and being, being the right frame of mind, like being the right state of mind. 
And I am too. I did a uh, 12-step call. I don't know if she's in here. Um, she is. We did. Me and me and uh, me and this woman did a 12-step call on this gentleman on New Year's Eve. And I think it was after our home group. And somehow we got signed up to do this dang alcathon meeting at like four in the morning. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to finish the home group. I'm going to go home and get a couple hours sleep. And then I'll go to the meeting. Well, on the way home, I got a call saying, hey, I, I got to go pick up this guy. I don't want to be alone, you know, because it was a female. Would you go with me? So I went with her. We took this, guy, this kid to detox. And uh, we took him a meeting a couple of days later. Some, most, most of the people are in this room. But we took him a meeting a couple of days later. And we asked him, like, what's your plan? He said, I just want to leave here and drink one more time. And then I'm done. And it's like that's, I, I completely get that. Like my frame of mind was like that. Like I can just drink one more time and I'm done. Just completely delusional. And what happened is, is through those guys carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to me and carrying the solution to me and working the steps with me, like I, I my mind is not like that anymore. I do not, I'm, my sanity has been returned to where I can see how insane that is. Um. See how much time is, Jerry. Okay. So, you know, AA got carried to me through my family. I have other family members that are in AA or that were in AA. Um, unfortunately, um, they were court-ordered, so I would go with them, and they'd get their paper signed, and I would go drink afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> But I had some experience there of AA at that point in time. And, you know, it was carried to me through treatment centers. Three out of the five treatment centers were 12-step based, and they practiced, practiced the 12 steps, and that's what they, you know, believed helped alcoholics. Um, they also had them in, in the prisons and jails that I was in. Um, unfortunately, again, I just wasn't willing at that time to really get sober. I, wasn't, I didn't want to get sober at that point in time. That's, again, why I think it's important for us to continue to carry the message wherever it is that we go is because you never know when it is that that person's going to get it. Um, and there's lots of different ways to, to be of service and to carry the message. One is like through employers. It's my... I'm just going out of the big book here, but like I, every job I've had has known that I'm in, in a program of Alcoholics Anonymous and a member of it. Every single job. And out of all those jobs, one of them specifically was an engineering company that like no one in there was in recovery. But uh, I don't know, I was there a couple of years, about a year in, the owner called me and asked me, hey, like we have this employee that's struggling with drinking, can you talk to him? Nice. I never thought that telling your employers about Alcoholics Anonymous would help anybody. I did it because that's what I was taught to do, but I never thought that it would help anybody. But I got to sit down with this gentleman at that work and, and explain to him what Alcoholics Anonymous was and, and how it could help in the, in the program and the message of it. Um, also to, to family. I think it's extremely important for, for me to explain to my family um, if I'm married to my wife, to, to, to my parents, anyone like that, what Alcoholics Anonymous is and what the message is of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
because you never know when they when they're going to know somebody that needs help. Um, neighbors, so it, it's very important. Like lots of people will get all caught up. Like we need to be anonymous. Like these people should know that I'm a, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous so that I can help any way that I can if they stumble across someone that needs help. Um, I remember, um, I remember I sponsored this guy, and at the time. It was my wife. She, she knew everything about Alcoholics Anonymous, was a huge supporter, and knew the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. She met with the, my sponsee's wife to explain to her about Alcoholics Anonymous and kind of what the book talks about, the two wives chapter. And, like, this is how we can support our alcoholic husband. And uh, I remember just a couple nights later, it was like midnight, and she came and was banging on my, my door at my house crying because he came home drunk and my wife at the time was able to go upstairs and pull out my big book and read some stuff to her about why it is that he does what he does I mean I remember she just asked my wife as to why does he do this why does he go out and drink and because of at the time my wife understood what Alcoholics Anonymous was and the message of Alcoholics Anonymous she was able to help that woman and again, I've never never seen the lady since. I've never seen the sponsee since. But I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he moved and got sober or, or what. But it's always important for me to to make sure that these people know that I am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and kind of that I'm here to help any way that I can. Um, I also think that it's important for people in our community to know that we're an Alcoholics Anonymous, whether it's our doctors, um, Churches. Many of us meet in churches for our AA meetings. You know, good question is: is does do, does that church know what it is that Alcoholics Anonymous is, and what we do, and how we can help? I'm pretty sure that our group at some point in time has had someone from the church reach out because they knew somebody that needed help. So it's important for us to carry this message into places like that, into doctors' offices into to city officials, into high schools. And we have service positions for that, but it's important for us to, to do those things for them to know that there's another option. Because lots of times, even in a high school, these kids get pushed to therapists. And again, if they're like me, they're going to ask, do you know what it's like to not want to drink and drink? And they're like, no. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to close my mind down. Um Jails and prisons is, is another great way to be of service and to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to people. I know that most of the, most of the groups that are involved in this event do a great job of that. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's probably some information back there if you want to get more involved and do that. But that's another great way to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and what it is and how we can help people. Is to be of service, give back to that, that community inside the jails and inside the prisons and try to help. Um, there are some people that are no longer with us that have helped a lot of people inside of jails and prisons by going in and being a service and carrying a message. Lots of times our, my mind will tell me like they're in prison, I can't help them like it's so far from the truth. There's lots of people inside of that are locked up that, that can get help as long as, they, they, as long as they want to. But the problem is we have to be there to, to help them. Another good one is hospitals and institutions. Um, that's another great way to be of service, especially from someone like my background. I was in treatment centers. I've been inside of psych hospitals. 
Um, I've been inside of nice treatment centers like last night, and I've been inside the state-funded ones. Um, but again, we never know when we go in there and we share the message of Alcoholics Anonymous what's going to happen to those people. So it's, it's important for us to continue to carry that message. That's why there are service positions for H&I, because of the importance of it and the way to give back and, and try to help those places. Because lots, lots of times those places can only do so much. Um, another one, I've talked about it just a hair tonight with a grapevine. <laughs> you can buy subscriptions and donate them to people. I love the grapevine. I talk to a lot of people about the grapevine, but lots of times people say, I can't afford it. Well, you know what? Call Intergroup and tell them you want a grapevine and can't afford it. Chances are they'll probably get you one. But you can. You can go get one and open it up, and it'll, it'll let you buy a subscription for somebody else. Or if you have sponsees, buy them a grapevine. Some people might not believe me, but there's a woman in this room tonight that's life was saved by the grapevine. It's just that's <laughs> I was trying to keep a straight face all the time. <laughs> but you can also so here's another thing is lots of us might think, well the grapevine is a great well why don't you why don't you submit a story then? Do you write a story and, and submit it of your 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 experience with alcohol synonymous? Um my thoughts on the grapevine. <laughs> uh, another way is like the hotline, the AA hotline. Lots of groups take home commitments, they answer the phone, and people call in and, and need help. Our group does it. I'm sure that there's other groups. I don't, I don't know, but um, you can pick a hotline shift, and you know, if someone calls in a group needing help, the emergency line, it'll automatically go to your phone. That's another way for us to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, 12 step calls you know you don't it, it, there's so much going on today and lots, lots of stuff's changed but I mean they still do happen and most of it happens the more we're carrying the message the more people know about Alcoholics Anonymous and then the more that we will get those type of phone calls because lots of times people don't know people don't know what to do with their cousin that can't quit drinking because they don't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous so really I can't speak, I, but for me, it's, it's important for me to do the best job that I can to carry the message everywhere it is that I go. Um, and to me, like the message is, is that we just, we have a solution that fixes all of our problems. That we've connected, that we've came in, could not quit drinking. We were, we were complete alcoholics, real alcoholics, that no matter how hard we tried or what we tried to do, we couldn't quit drinking. But we came in and took a few simple steps and started to believe and, and rely upon a, a specific, a, not a specific, but a, a higher power. And all of our problems have been removed. All of our problems are gone. My problems today like, are very minuscule compared to you know, reality. Um, you know, the, there's a saying like I, I would... Um, I would tell somebody, you know, everything's going to be okay. And they would say, it already is. And it is. Like, I mean, it's, 
to me, one of my favorite things to remember is like the world is so loud today. I see what I see what people have. I see friends getting new jobs or buying bigger houses. Like like there's so much going on, and my mind can get so lost of like selfish, self-centered. That should be me, or man, I wish that was me. And it's like, man, like I used to wake up and not want to drink, and I couldn't quit drinking. And now I've been sober almost 10 years. Like, what more do I want in life? All I can do is just try to stay sober, try to continue to, to help other people, and most importantly, carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous the way that it is in the book. Not dilute it, not make up my own stuff, just do directly what's, what's out of the big book and, and try to be of service and help any way that I can. Um, I'm going to end a few minutes early. I appreciate you guys listening um, and uh, appreciate all the leaders that were here in the conference for putting this on. So thank you guys.